0: Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Uh, Anyone who's ever played a party game has probably had to answer the question, if you could change one thing about your appearance, what would it be? If you could change one thing about your appearance, what would it be? Now, I'm not going to make you answer that question, uh, but I'll answer it myself. Okay, if I could change one thing about my appearance, I would have more hair. (laughs) Now, seriously, I would be I would be a hairier guy. I got a couple of sons-in-law. They married my my two daughters, and these are these are the kind of guys. They could shave. (laughs) They could shave in the morning and have a beard. They could have that beard by dinner time. So I've always wanted to be able to grow hair like that. And thinking back, there's at least one experience in my life where I experienced uh, embarrassment because of my lack of hair. Uh, I was in my mid-20s. I was working on the staff of a church in the Boston area, and we had brought in an expert on a Saturday morning to train our Kids World volunteers. And this expert was making the point that it's important to recruit men as well as women for children's ministry, Uh, Because, he said, and this is how he put it, he said, kids need to see that people with hair on their arms love Jesus too. And then he looked at me. I was sitting in the front row in a short-sleeved shirt, and he said, well, not everybody qualifies. (laughs) Ouch. Well, you know, I just felt like everybody around was looking at the guy who didn't have any hair on his arms, you know, who didn't have manly arms. Well, welcome to week three of a six-part series, Lies We Tell Ourselves. Lies we tell ourselves. Here's the lie we're considering today, and it's fairly common. I'm unattractive. I'm unattractive. Now, you ever say that to yourself as you looked in the mirror, or maybe you thought it, as some of you are thinking right now, but this is not a lie. This is the truth. I am unattractive. Okay? But no, it's a lie. And before we dig into God's word and we see the truth about our attractiveness, I want to talk about lies in general for just a moment here. Okay, where do lies come from? Jesus answers that question in John 8, verse 44. He's speaking to a crowd about God's archenemy, the devil. And Jesus says, John 8, 44, "...the devil does not hold to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies." So the devil is the father of lies. One of the Bible's opening stories illustrates this point. Okay, God creates the original couple, Adam and Eve, puts them in the Garden of Eden, virtual paradise. They're enjoying a wonderful relationship with God and the devil comes along to destroy all that and he does it with a lie. He does it with a lie. He says to to Eve, you know, you know, God's command about not eating from that one tree in, in the garden It's because the fruit of that tree, Eve, will make you as wise as God, and God doesn't want any competition. That's what the devil told her. This is why God is withholding this fruit from from you and from Adam. It was a huge lie. But Eve gazed at the fruit, and the fruit did look pretty good. Genesis 3, verse 6 says that it was pleasing to the eye, Pleasing to the eye and suddenly trusting God and what God said didn't seem as attractive as that piece of fruit did. Let me say that again. Trusting God didn't seem as attractive as the piece of fruit did. So she ate the fruit and she gave some to Adam and they swallowed the lie. Isn't it interesting that the very first lie in human history had to do with a, a mistaken view of attractiveness? A mistaken view of attractiveness. Today we're going we're to contrast God's truth about our attractiveness with the devil's lie supported by our culture that we are unattractive. Now, why do we believe that lie? Why do you believe that lie? Well, maybe it's because you're, you're overweight or you're short or you've got freckles or you're gray-haired or flat-chested or you've got big feet. You know, there's some physical feature about yourself that you don't like. Or or maybe you're tempted to conclude I'm unattractive because nobody asks you out on a date. Or because you're not athletic, or your voice is high-pitched, or you're an introvert, or you you work a boring job. There are all sorts of reasons why we believe that others find us unappealing. So we have to fight back against this lie with the truth Of God's Word. So here today, here are four truths that I know about myself from the Bible. If you haven't taken your outline out yet, I encourage you to take it out and write down these truths because these are truths you want to recite to yourself on a regular basis. Okay, here's truth number one. I bear God's image. Say that with me. I bear God's image. Let's go to the very first book of the Bible, the first chapter, Genesis chapter 1. By the way, today we're going to skip around to a number of passages of scripture, so uh, keep your finger turning, uh, your, your page turning finger licked, okay? Uh, oftentimes Clayton and I will settle down into one passage and draw all our points from it, but today we're going to bop around a little bit. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God, for what you tell us about how you made us in your image. Now, what does that mean? I bear God's image. Theologians have debated the point for centuries. Some theologians say, well, it probably means that we've been created as relational beings. I mean, God is a relational being. We've been made in his image. God's Father, Son, Spirit united together as one. So we've been made in God's image. We have the capacity to form intimate relationships. Other theologians say, no, no, no. It's got to do with the fact that, you know, as as God told Adam and Eve to rule... You know, they were vice rulers over the earth. God's the ultimate ruler of the universe. That's what it means to be made in his image. We're rulers like God is a ruler. Other theologians say, no, 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 it's got to do with our our morality. Like God knows right from wrong, we know right from wrong. Or it has to do with our intelligence. You know, we know how to solve complex problems. Or it's got to do with our creativity. We're capable of making wonderful works of art and music and inventions and architecture and and so on. the, 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 The bottom line is, in an amazing number of ways, we bear the image of God. King David, writing one of the Psalms, Psalm 139, verse 14, says to God, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. See, David, you wouldn't find David looking in the mirror and saying, I'm so unattractive. David would look in the mirror and he'd say, dude, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. See, you are God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. Now, having said that, I need to point out that we're we're damaged masterpieces. That's what sin has done to our lives. Our selfishness, our our immorality, our pride, anger, dishonesty, bigotry, irreverence, they have marred the masterpiece that God created. Imagine, if you would, taking a can of black spray paint and spraying over the canvas of a Rembrandt or a Monet. Now, there's still a masterpiece underneath that black paint, but you've damaged it. In the same way our sin has defaced the person that God originally created us to be. And it's not just our personal sins that do do the defacing in our lives. It's the fact that we now live in a fallen world. You've heard that said before. We live in a fallen world, which means that the totality of everybody's sinfulness has produced this toxic environment that is constantly doing damage to the image of God in our lives. In every way. Spiritually speaking, damage has been done. Our relationship with God is broken. Morally speaking, damage has been done. So we now lie and we gossip and we drink too much and we hoard our resources and sleep around and whatever. Sexually damaged so that we now experience same-sex attractions or gender dysphoria, confused about our gender or uh, any number of things. Sexually Physically speaking, damaged. We get asthma, eczema, arthritis, Parkinson's. The the masterpiece is buried under a ton of black spray paint. So no wonder we feel unattractive. But here's the good news, friends. The Bible teaches that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, Jesus begins to restore the masterpiece. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, verse 10, he's writing to Christ followers, and he says, you have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. If you've put your trust in Jesus, you are being restored to the image of your creator. Jesus is restoring God's image in me. Wow. Back in 1642, the uh, famous Dutch artist Rembrandt uh, he completed a magnificent painting called The Night Watch. It hangs today in a museum in Amsterdam. Uh, one of the most spectacular pieces of art in the world today. It's like 15 feet wide, 10 feet high. But, but over time the painting has deteriorated. It's taken on kind of a, kind of a hazy film and so they're going to restore it. In fact, the, the restoration officially begins in July of this summer. And the cool thing about the restoration, I mean, it's going to take, take years to restore it and millions of dollars to restore it, but the cool thing is they're going to do it right in the public eye. They're going to leave the, the painting hanging on the wall there in the museum in Amsterdam where you can see it, two million visitors every year, you can see it being restored. And even if you can't afford to go to Amsterdam, they're going to show it on internet live streams so you could watch it online. And when it's done, the experts say, when the restoration is completed, it's going to be breathtaking. Listen to me, friends. Jesus is restoring God's image in me. Now, I've got a long way to go in the restoration process. Please don't say amen to that, all right? (laughs) In in fact, the full restoration isn't even going to take place in in this life of mine. It's only going to be complete when I see Jesus. But the promise of God's word, 1 John 3 verse 1, says that when I see Jesus, I will be like him, for I will see him as he is. The restoration will be complete. So here's what I know about myself. I was created in God's image. And even though my sin has defaced that image, Jesus is restoring that image in me. And one day, You know, this masterpiece that is me will be fully restored and I will be a wonder to behold. You get it? Got it. Do you know that good? Do you know that about yourself? That you bear God's image? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Is Is he restoring God's image in you? Here's the second truth. I am home to the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. I am home to the Holy Spirit. We're going to turn to another passage. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. When I was a college student, I fell in love with Sue. And one summer I got a job, worked long hours so I could make enough money to buy her an engagement ring. Now, Fortunately, I had a college buddy who was the son of a New York City jeweler. So I got this sweet deal on a beautiful diamond ring. And come the end of summer, Sue was coming back to campus, and I was going to propose to her. She had no idea. And so I took her out to front campus, beautiful lawn, and I had the ring box in a guitar case because I had written this incredible engagement song for her. And so I pulled out my guitar, and I, you know, between verses 2 and 3 of the song, I pulled out the ring box, I opened it up, and I gave it to her, and then I sang the last First, I mean, she felt so bad for me, she had to say yes, right? But um, now, what if I told you, what if I told you that Sue looked at the ring, and she casually tossed it aside, and then she took the box, and she looked at me, and she said, where did you get this box? This is gorgeous. I mean, wait till my friends see this box. That would be pretty weird, wouldn't it? So fortunately, it didn't go down that way. She put on the ring, and she couldn't stop admiring it, and she said, this is beautiful, and wait till my friends see this ring. Now, this is a picture of you and me if we've put our trust in Jesus, because when we surrender our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live on the inside. He makes his home in us. Now, I don't know if you think you're attractive or not, but here's what I do know that if you've surrendered to Christ and the Holy Spirit has made his home in you, you are an amazing person. You are an amazing person. Now, let me read the scripture to you, First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? I mean, we're talking God, third person of the Trinity. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If you've surrendered to Jesus, the Holy Spirit has made his home in you. And the Apostle Paul says this, you know, this indwelling didn't come cheap. He says in the verses I just read to you, you were bought at a price. Let me tell you something. God paid much, much more for you than I paid for that diamond ring for Sue. God paid for you with the life of his son. How did that happen? Well, the Bible says that at one point in your life, you were estranged from God. You were alienated from God. That's because of a pattern in your life. You constantly go your way instead of God's way. I do too. And when we go our way instead of God's way, we we disconnect from the one who is the source of life, the wellspring of life. And when you disconnect from life, the consequence is death. So the Bible says the wages of sin is death. We we die spiritually on the inside. And that leads to physical death at the end of this life. And that leads to eternal death in the world to come. But God loves you so much that he sent his son to give his life for you, to lay down his life on the cross. To take the penalty you deserve to pay for your sins. The penalty is death. And Jesus took death in your place. But he rose from the dead and he now offers you. He offers you forgiveness for your sins. He offers you brand new life if you'll surrender to him. Have you ever surrendered your life to Christ? Have you ever invited Jesus to make you into a brand new person for the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside? You know, the minute you surrender to Christ, the Holy Spirit makes his home in you. And if he lives in you, it's impossible for you to be unattractive. If the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, it's impossible for you to be unattractive. You know, Dana Gresh is a uh, best-selling author. She has written a number of books for young women who want to follow Jesus. And one of her best-known books is... Uh, Lies Young Women Believe. Lies Young Women Believe. Over 350,000 copies sold. Dana tells the story of uh, being a high school and then a college student, and during that period of her life, she was so embarrassed by her skin. She doesn't say what was wrong. Was it blotchy or pimply or I I don't know, but she says she was so embarrassed that she couldn't look in the mirror. She went for a period of time when she just didn't look in a mirror at herself because she didn't like what she saw. She said she she mastered the art of putting on her makeup in the dark. Sounds dangerous to me. But she got into college and in college surrendered her life to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit of God made her home in her. And Dana says she looks back on that period, she reads her journal from that period of her life and sees a transition from entries about college gossip to entries about insights she's getting out of the bible out of God's word and prayers that she's writing to God and the transformation process begins the Holy Spirit begins to transform her from the inside out and here's the interesting thing about the transformation without her even realizing it she starts looking in the mirror and she's not embarrassed by what she sees Because she no longer sees a college young woman with bad skin, she sees someone who is home to the Holy Spirit of God. Friend, when you look in the mirror, do you see the box or do you see the diamond ring? When you look in the mirror, do you see the box or do you see the diamond ring? I'm home to the Holy Spirit. Number three, uh, my beauty is more than skin deep. Let's say that. Here we go. My beauty is more than skin deep, and I want you to turn to another passage, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Excuse me, I said Timothy, 1 Peter chapter 3. It's toward the end of your New Testament. You might have to search around a little bit to find it. Uh, Brene Brown is a sociologist at the University of Houston. She's a best-selling author. Uh, She is a popular TED Talk presenter. And she's done extensive research on the topic of what causes women shame. Uh, She interviewed over 200 diverse women. You know, what causes women shame? And she found there's there's no universal cause. There's no short list of these are the the, the things that cause every woman shame. But she did find uh, one thing that 90% of the women had in common. What causes them shame? And it was body image. They didn't like their appearance. Brene concluded that this body image problem, how women feel about their bodies, is a big deal because there are so many parts of a woman's body that she can be dissatisfied with. Here's Brene's list. She says, we're talking head, hair, neck, face, ears, skin, nose, eyes, lips, chin, teeth, shoulders, back. I'm only a third of the way through the list. Okay. Breasts, waist, hips, stomach, abdomen, buttocks, arms, wrists, hands, fingers, fingernails, thighs, knees, calves, ankles, feet, toes, body hair, body fluids, pimple, scars, freckles, stretch marks, and moles. Some of you are saying, well, she left something out. <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> Brene says that every woman has a, a mental picture of, of what she'd like every one of those body parts to look like and what she'd... Uh, wants to avoid looking like in that area. So where do women get these mental pictures? You know, often they come from from advertising media. You talk about an intimidating beauty standard, you know, like fashion models. I I did some research of my own this past week. I, I discovered the average fashion model is 5'10", tall, and weighs about 120 pounds. The average woman in the United States, 20 years old and older, is 5'3", and weighs 166 pounds. You do the comparison. No, don't. You know, don't do the comparison. That's our problem. In my research this week, I discovered that two-thirds of underweight 12-year-old girls, okay, we're talking underweight girls think they're fat, And and where does that lead? You know, the, the number one contributor, the number one contributor to eating disorders is poor body image. So we got 20 million women in the United States who at some point in their life will have a significant eating disorder. 20 million. And it is something not so deadly but equally crazy, uh, many women, and let's just throw in many men as well because it's true, spend enormous amounts of time and money on cosmetics, hair, nails, clothes, tans, gym memberships, cars they drive, Botox injections, plastic surgery, you name it to feel better about their appearance. Now, let's take a look at what God says about this pursuit. Okay, 1 Peter Chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Peter says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. You should write this out on a 3x5 card and post it on your bathroom mirror. Right. Right. Let me read it to you again, okay? Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles. I don't have to worry about that one. And the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. Here's a question we all need to ask ourselves. Do I spend more time and effort every day working on my external appearance or on my internal character? Do I spend more time and effort every day working on my external appearance than I do on my internal character? And which is the bigger deal to God? Which is the bigger deal? Let me illustrate what matters most to God in this regard with an Old Testament story. This comes from First and Second Samuel. They tell us the story of Israel's first two kings. Israel's first king was a dude by the name of Saul. And Saul looked like a king. He looked the part. He was head and shoulders, Scripture says, taller than everybody around him. When Saul stepped into a room, everybody's head turned. He had a commanding presence about him. He had movie star good looks. But on the inside, Saul was seriously flawed. Okay, he was arrogant. He was insecure. He was insanely jealous. If anybody got attention that he didn't get, he was disobedient To God, he was a a violent man, and finally God had enough of Saul, and he said, it's time we find another king. And so God sent the prophet Samuel to a little village called Bethlehem to the home of a guy named Jesse who had eight sons. And he said, one of those sons, Samuel, is going to be Israel's next king. So he goes to Jesse's home, and Jesse lines up his eight sons, and Samuel starts with the first, the oldest, a, a guy named Eliab. Eliab was tall and muscular, handsome, and Samuel's thinking, this is the guy, this is the next king. And God says to Samuel, no, this is not the guy I've chosen. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. He says, you know, people people and I, we don't look at the same things, Samuel. People look at outward appearances. I look at the heart. And so God rejects each of the first seven sons of Jesse, and he gets to the last, a teenage boy named David, and God says, this is the guy. He's got a heart in the right place. So David becomes eventually Israel's next king, becomes Israel's greatest king in Israel's history, leads Israel into a golden era. Not that David uh, didn't have flaws. He could sin on occasion big time, but his heart was basically in the right place, and he was known for his character. He he was known as a man of courage. He he was known because he was loyal to his friends. He was known as a guy who loved God. He was known as a leader who was fair and impartial and humble. He was known for his character. Let me ask you this morning, what character traits are you known for? What character traits are you known for? Do we care more about developing these internal traits than about our external appearance? Because we should. We should. Haven't we all met people who, when we first met them, we thought to ourselves, wow, he's a looker. She's a really good-looking woman. And then you get to know this person and you discover, you know, that they're shallow or materialistic or mean or self-absorbed. And suddenly you stop thinking about them as being that attractive. And haven't we all known people who, when you first met them, you weren't particularly wowed by their appearance? You thought, well, they're kind of average looking. But as you got to know them, you you saw kindness and generosity and helpfulness and and bravery. And they became more appealing to you the, the better you got to know them. Haven't you had that experience? You know, I I want my beauty to be more than skin deep. What about you? You know, if if you want inner beauty, it doesn't just happen. You know, there are certain habits to develop that will enhance your internal character over time. You say, like, what? Well, you've heard me say them many times around here. Like, start with this book. This is God's holy word. Read it daily. Apply it to your life, and God will begin to fashion your internal character. You know, by all means, get in a group of brothers and sisters who will read and discuss this book and apply it to their lives together so you've got accountability partners who are in your face and who are praying for you and who have your back. That that will fashion your character. Find out where you can serve. Okay, yes, begin serving more than you do in your home. When you go to the job or to school, go there to be a servant. Be a servant here at Christ Community Church. Do you know how much your character development depends on you finding a place to serve and serving? It's in serving that our character is shaped. Worship. You know, don't miss a weekly opportunity to worship God because as we focus together in song on God's character, God transforms our character in the process. You know, beauty on the inside is what makes you attractive on the outside. Beauty on the inside is what makes you attractive on the outside. Here's a fourth truth. And this one's a a long one. This one's a whopper. Everyone is wasting away externally, but I am being renewed internally. Say it with me. Everyone is wasting away externally, but I am being renewed internally. And I want you to turn to another scripture, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I read a bunch of stuff in preparation for this sermon on body image. Here's one of the things that surprised me. Body image is not just a female thing. You know, concern for body image is a male thing as well. And according to the research that has been done, the number one contributor to a guy's body image is muscularity. Okay, muscular physique. Is what guys are, are looking for. Now, l- let me tell you about my struggle in this area of my life. I figure since I shared with you my struggle about hairiness, I might as well go, you know, full open here. Here's my struggle with muscularity, all right? So I've been working out, lifting weights ever since high school to this day, okay? It's been a regular practice for me. But I've noticed something happening to me over time that I don't like. You know, there was a day when I'd go to the gym and, you know, go through my workout routine and I'd move around to different stations at weight machines and I'd always pull the pin out from the previous user and move it down, increase the weight. And I'd look around, making sure people noticed, I'm increasing the weight because I'm a stronger guy than the previous dude. Yes. And then, years passed. I found myself moving the pin up, you know, a little old lady uses it and I'm still moving the pin up, you know, and now today I just stay away from those weight machines altogether. Just work on cardio. Try to get flexibility in these stiff muscles of mine. See, my body is wasting away. It's not what it used to be. Come on, guys, agree with me. Your body is not what it used to be. Guys in St. Charles, Aurora, DeKalb, right, Streamwood, your body is not what it used to be. If you don't believe that, the person next to you needs to say that to you right now, okay? (laughs) Your body is not what it used to be. Okay, is that why, guys, is that why we're tempted to conclude I'm unattractive? And maybe it's not the muscle thing for you, okay? Maybe you're a female who's had a few babies. That'll do it to you. Brene Brown writes in an article on body image, she says, the media is a very strong force in the expectation setting done around post-pregnancy body images, Give us a week and we'll be back in our bootcut jeans, midriff bearing t-shirts and toting our child around like the year's hottest accessory. Hot mama. Right. It, it doesn't work that way, does it? Those of you who have born multiple babies. Or, or maybe you've suffered an injury. Maybe you've got a debilitating disease your your body has taken a a beating you may not even even be that old but it's frustrating it, it it's your body embarrasses you you know maybe it's just general aging and i use that term loosely it could be going from 20 to 30 as well as you know 70 to 80. Maybe, maybe you've aged and you don't like the fact that your eyes now need glasses or that your hair is beginning to show some gray or your skin is beginning to wrinkle or your knee. You had to have your knee scoped or maybe replaced altogether. Maybe when you came in here today for our worship service and the band cranked up, you had to turn down your hearing aids, right? All of these signs of physical deterioration have a way of making us feel unattractive. But that's not what Paul says we should conclude. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you open to it? Begin at verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? Outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, the external, but on what is unseen, the internal. Since what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Outwardly we are wasting away. Now, those of you who are high school students here, you're saying, Pastor Jim, speak for yourself. You're an old dude, you're wasting away. Okay, but not me. Oh, really? Do you know what what your peak age is for strength? What do you think it is, peak age for strength? It's 25 years old. So if you're here today, you're a 15-year-old freshman, you got 10 years before you start going downhill like the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to the club. Right. Seriously, what is Paul's point in these verses? His point is don't put all your eggs in the same basket of physical strength and appearance, because the day's going to come when your body lets you down. You see it wasting away. And then if your eggs have been in that basket, you're going to be so discouraged that you're unattractive. Where, where should we be putting our, our focus? Well, Paul says, if you're a Christ follower, focus on your internal person. Okay, practice those character-building habits that I talked about a few moments ago, getting into God's Word and in a group and serving other people and worshiping God and so on. And that person, that internal person, will get stronger and stronger, more and more vibrant. Closer and closer to the image of Jesus. And as that happens, guess what? You'll like yourself a whole lot better, and other people will too. You know, I I know some beautiful people. Some beautiful people, even though they're wasting away on the outside. And I know some sour, cranky, self-absorbed people because they're wasting away on the outside, and that's all they got. That's all they got going for them. Which which kind of person do you want to be? Well, We've looked at four truths today with which to combat the I'm unattractive lie. And friends, we've told this lie to ourselves long enough. Maybe our parents got it going. Maybe they, they told us the lie early on. You're not that attractive. Maybe we heard it from our peers. We've definitely heard it from the media. Okay, but it's a lie, and it's time we stopped listening to parents and peers and media, and we started listening to God's word. So I want to repeat those four truths and ask you to say each one out loud with me. Let's say them together. Okay, we'll put them on the screen. Let's say each truth enthusiastically like we believe it. Here we go. I bear God's image, I am home to the Holy Spirit. My beauty is more than skin deep. Everyone is wasting away externally, but I am being renewed internally. You get it? Good. Good. Now, why is it so important? And I want to close with this, and then we're going to celebrate communion together. Why is this so important? We we just want to turn a bunch of arrogant people loose from our, our worship services today strutting around. I bear God's image. I'm home to the Holy Spirit. My beauty's more than skin deep, Yeah. No, no. Here's the deal, friends. We got a job to do in this this world. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's called you to be a representative, but you're not going to be a very good representative if you're a wallflower. If you're so timid because you're you're certain of your your unattractiveness, your unappeal, and who would want to listen to me as I talk about what Jesus has done in my life, you are an attractive person person if your beauty's coming from the inside out. And God wants you to be bold as you share the good news about Jesus. Do you know Paul says in Romans 10 that the feet of those who share good news are beautiful? How beautiful are the feet of those who, who bring good news, Paul says. Now, I don't know about you, but I think about the ugliest part of my body are my feet. You know, right? Paul says if you're a follower of Jesus sharing the good news about Jesus, you got beautiful feet. Every part of you is beautiful. God wants you to know that you're winsome so that you'll you'll go from these places of worship out into the real world. Bold for Christ. Bold for Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the restoration that you're doing in our lives. I pray for those who've never surrendered to you today because... While they bear your image, it's a marred image and there's no restoration going on yet. There's no Holy Spirit on the inside. And so I pray that in the humility of their hearts right now, people who've never surrendered to Christ would say, Okay, I get it. I want you to be my Savior, the King of my life. I want to follow you. God, for those of us, all of us, who believe that...